Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, the Canadian Federation of Agriculture will weigh in on the recent rail blockades and out first in today's country comment. The chair of the Manitoba Flax Growers Association will join us to talk about the group's annual general meeting. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The Manitoba Flax Growers Association was one of many groups to host its AGM last week at Crop Connect. I was there and chatted with Chair Eric Fridfinson about the past growing season. We have about an average size of a flax crop. There's there's a fair bit of flax that's lower grades because of uh, the bad weather last fall. But certainly for the individuals that have uh, top quality flax, uh, they've got a real good commodity on their hands that's worth a lot of money. Right now, we see people paying $14 a bushel for that best stuff, and it's a good opportunity, so (laughs) I encourage people to get onto that. Is that for human consumption then, the better stuff? That's right. The, the, the uh, top quality stuff tends to get drawn into the human consumption market and it's for products like bread glazing and, uh, and just inclusion directly in the human diet. What are you expecting as far as acres uh, here in 2020? Well, acres were up about 10% last year and uh, as long as we have enough seed available, I think we're going to see a bit of an increase again. We've, I've been talking to some people in the seed business and apparently they've been doing a brisk trade. So if people want some flax, they should probably go and get it, get, it, get it as soon as they can. Talk a bit about how that fits in the rotation, where, where it's a good fit. Certainly, uh, flax is a, a real good addition to most farms' uh, rotation. Uh, it's a rotation both for the other oil seeds and for cereal crops as well. And uh, with the uh, be- the uh, best management practices uh, scheme that was uh, developed by the Flax Council of Canada, there is an opportunity to have uh, good crop yields and uh, higher than what was traditional and get a good return for a producer. Research, talk a bit about um, what's being done there. Well, the primary thing that we're uh, involved with right now is... Uh, is uh, participating in a variety evaluation for new varieties. The breeding program that we have is based out of the University of Saskatchewan, so it's very important for us to see those varieties uh, evaluated here in Manitoba. We also uh, are doing some work through the Minor Use Committee to introduce some new uh, weed control options, and we hope to be able to talk about that uh, in the near future. Amalgamation, you know, your thoughts on, on that whole process, how it came together? Well, I think it's been a I think it's been a good process. We uh, we began in uh, April of 2015. So there's been we've taken the time to go out and and talk about it, and uh, we had a lot of good feedback that uh, has helped us to develop a much stronger proposal. And I think that it's an opportunity to to serve Manitoba farmers better, for them to get better value for the for the dollars they're putting into checkoffs, and also a, a better opportunity to have influence and control uh, in the new structure. That was Eric Fridfinson. He's the chair of the Manitoba Flax Growers Association. The group held its AGM last week in Winnipeg. The organization is one of five groups that will be merging later this year. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. 
Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba flax growers gathered in Winnipeg last week for the Commodity Group's annual meeting. Chair Eric Fridfinson was asked about flax acres for 2020. Acres were up about 10% last year. As long as we have enough seed available, I think we're going to see a bit of an increase again. We've, I've been talking to some people in the seed business and apparently they've been doing a brisk trade. So if people want some flax, they should probably go and get it as soon as they can. The flax growers are one of five commodity groups that will be merging later this year. And the Canadian Federation of Agriculture is extremely concerned about the impacts of the ongoing rail blockades on Canadian farmers. Here is CFA Second Vice President Chris Vandenhoevel. The impacts have been devastating right across the board, uh, you know, across the country, right? When you look at uh, uh, what's happening out west now, uh, shipments uh, being delayed, uh, uh, getting to port. Uh, there's, at uh, last uh, count, there was over 40 ships uh, uh, waiting to be filled uh, in, in around uh, uh, the Vancouver area. Add up all of those fees which get unloaded down to those farmers. Uh, it's going to have devastating financial impacts on them, on our western producers. CFA says if rail service continues to be blockaded, it will result in propane shortages in eastern Canada. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, February 20th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, the Canadian Federation of Agriculture will weigh in on the recent rail blockades. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture is extremely concerned with the rail blockades that are taking place across the country. I caught up with CFA Second Vice President Chris Vandenhoevel. Well, I mean, the impacts have been devastating right across the board, uh, you know, across the country, right? When you uh, when you look at uh, uh, what's happening out west now, uh, shipments uh, being delayed, uh, uh, getting to port. Uh, there's, at uh, last uh, count, there was over 40 ships uh, uh, waiting to be filled uh, in, in around uh, uh, the Vancouver area. So when you... Uh, uh, you know, when you when you add up all of those fees which get unloaded down to those farmers, uh, it's going to have devastating financial impacts on them, on our western producers. Uh, uh, out here in the east, uh, we've got a lot of uh, producers that rely on, uh, on propane, for example, for drying, uh, for grain drying, uh, for heating poultry burns and whatnot. And uh, we're at a critical junction right now where this is becoming an animal welfare issue because uh, poultry burns uh, are saying that they They've only got days of supply left, so it's uh, it's devastating right across the board. What would uh, CFA? What are they asking of the government at this point? Well, I mean, it's uh, you know we certainly uh, uh, re- respect uh, the protesters and uh, and what they're uh, uh, you know what they're trying to achieve, but at the same time, it's. Uh, uh, you know, it's time for the government to step up to the plate and, uh, you know, and sit down and have a dialogue with uh, with all the parties involved to see if we can come to uh, an amicable solution. After the tough harvest and then the, and then the CN rail strike and now now farmers have uh, this issue to deal with. Yeah, it's been back to back issues really for about uh, two years now. When you, you know, uh, a couple of uh, uh, harvest years that were tough back to back. Uh, as you mentioned, the rail strike uh, back last, uh, late last year, uh, you know, over these uh, these past couple of months, and it's really been, uh, you know, it's really been weighing heavily on the, on the, the mental health and the well-being of all of our farmers. It's, uh, 
you know, coming to the point where a lot of uh, a lot of folks, a lot of farmers are, are, are at the breaking point and they just don't know what to do and where to turn to. Final thoughts here today, Chris? Well, we just, uh, you know, we hope that, uh, you know, that the, that the resolution will come quick to this, uh, to this issue. Uh, there was just an announcement this afternoon that there's some rail service uh, going to be opened up in, uh, in Quebec, I, uh, I hear. So that's positive news. That's, uh, that's good news. And we just hope that uh, uh, we can come to a solution quickly and get things back to normal as fast as we can. That was Chris Vanden Heuvel. He's the second vice president with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. Farmers are always looking to get the most out of their crop. Today, Glendalee Allen Vossler talks about harvest loss and optimization with Nathan Gregg, a former PAMI employee who has returned to the farm. Gregg was busy taking his message about harvest loss on the road to other farmers over the winter. In, in order to uh, really have a good handle on what we're doing in that combining operation, I think and will preach till the day's end about uh, using a drop pan of some sort. And I always say, you know, there's there's many options available uh, on the market to help you do that. And the easier you make it, the more likely you are to do it. So I think there's some good options in the marketplace uh, to, to facilitate that to be able to check losses easier Um, but whether that's throwing a cookie sheet or getting out and scratching on the ground I think that's better than nothing however I do think there's better ways of doing it uh, you know to to, to actually collect the the full discharge material of the combine which the best way to do that is to remove the chopper and and have a pan that's big enough to collect the the full discharge Uh, and so we can get a full snapshot of what's really in there and we're not sort of prone to to some of the the errors that are possible by doing something as simple as scratching on the dirt or throwing a cookie sheet where we might you know miss more of that loss you talk a, a lot about knowing your combine yeah i think it's really important uh to have some basic understanding and this i don't mean you know engineering and design understanding of of your combine but some understanding of the crop flow path through the machine a a lot of people uh, have considered sort of a combine to be like a black box stuff goes in and stuff comes out and whatever happens in the middle is sort of black magic Um, and i think it's important though that if you want to be able to to really optimize and do something uh, to, to control those losses and, and to adapt when you do have losses, uh, it's important to understand where they might be coming from. So if you can have an understanding of the material goes in the front, goes over this drum, goes under that one, then goes on a drop pan and the you know clean grain goes here. And if you understand the basics of it, you'll have a much better chance of being able to go, well, here's the adjustment I need to do if I want to fix X problem or Y problem. It's important to do the math taking and doing the math can sort of prove uh, the, the error of our thinking sometimes or alternatively it could confirm it for us but but if we just blindly assume we know the outcome uh, and we assume well I can't afford to slow down then of course we never will whereas if we do the math even simple napkin math we might find out hold on a second maybe I can afford to slow down I just might have to do something different maybe it's I might still come out ahead by getting more grain even though some of it's going to be lower quality and it's going to take me a little longer that might still be net dollars and cents ahead of 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 just going faster and losing more but if we don't do the math we won't we won't know that being said a lot of combines today have the harvest loss monitors they do serve a purpose they're not infallible they're they're not perfect but they are a very good 
indicator. And, and the loss monitor, um, it, it can really be like a, like a canary in the mine and tell us when things are changing. They don't tell us necessarily how much they've changed or is it a good or a bad change. They just tell something's going on. Overall, general tips that producers could implement to reduce loss? I think the number one thing that I would say is is be careful of that uh, joystick. I mean, we all have a tendency to get to get anxious, and I mean, last year's harvest is a, a good example of why we 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 have that innate uh, feeling of needing to get done and go faster. Uh, but we got to make sure we don't fall prey to sort of our own assumptions and we just get in there and we always go fast. We can be oblivious that we're throwing so much out the back just because the machine's capable of putting it through. It's not necessarily capable of, of getting all the grain out of it and under all those conditions. So I think, you know, being cautious of how far we push the lever forward and being cautious of how, how we use the horsepower that's available, that's sort of my top two recommendations. Nathan Gregg talking about harvest loss and optimization at the Top Notch Farming event. For Golden West, I'm Glendale Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Brookside Angus Bull and Female Sale happens Wednesday, February 26th at the Nipua Egg Complex. You can find out more by visiting brooksideangus.com. The FCC Young Farmer Summit is set for March 4th at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. CAP is hosting its Young Farmers Conference on February 5th, also at the Victoria Inn. The Prairie Organics Think Whole Farm 2020 Conference takes place March 5th and 6th at Brandon's Keystone Centre. And Marmac Farms is having a bull sale March 11th starting at 1.30. Go to marmacfarms.net for more information. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll talk about canola research taking place. Also another look at our farm news for today. Right now it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, the Manitoba Canola Growers Association hosted its AGM last week at Crop Connect. Outgoing director Ron Cron addressed the crowd and talked about some of the canola research that's taking place. I think it was around $700,000 that, uh, that we spend on research every year. Uh, we talked about some of the different projects uh, that, uh, that kind of were highlights for me. Uh, we were collaborating with Manitoba Ag on a planter versus drill uh, um, study just in, in planting canola with a planter. It's kind of been something that's been pretty common uh, with farmers in the last uh, few years. So trying to look at some of the economics of that and, and see how that compares. Can we reduce seeding rates by using a planter because we have better survivability with a planter? And so just comparing that, I think that's value to farmers because it's something that farmers are talking about. Um, we have the PSI lab that we fund, uh, Clubroot, as it's been moving into Manitoba, uh, has been something that's been on farmers' radar now. And so to have a lab that uh, we can do some free testing for farmers uh, that we offer to every member, uh, also with uh, glyphosate-resistant weeds, uh, the PSI lab can, can check uh, for glyphosate-resistant kochia and also blacklegs. So I think those are things that, that we're spending members' dollars on on that provide direct value back to, to farmers. So uh, those are two examples of things that, we're, that we were working on right now and I think are, are really providing value. And uh, back to that PSI testing, if a farmer is interested, um, how do they access that? Yeah, so I believe it's on our website, but even just calling the uh, canola, calling the Manitoba Canola Growers Office, uh, we have people there that uh, can direct you uh, 
direct you to that. Uh, you get some, a code that when you then submit your sample to the PSI lab, you give them this code as well, and that basically just shows that you are a member, and then so you don't get a bill then for, for it's, it's one free test for, uh, for glyphosate resistance in kochia, blackleg, and also for clubroot uh, free every year for, for members. And have a lot of farmers been taking advantage of this, sir? Unfortunately, it's been a little bit of a slow uptake, uh, so we're always hopeful that that'll improve. I think some of it is just in communicating that to farmers that it's available. Uh, I think clubroot, because it's still fairly new, farmers are, I think, are starting to become more aware of it and realize that it is something they need to be looking for. So I, I see it only increasing in the next couple of years as, you know, even just if the trend line of, of what we've seen of infected fields keeps increasing, uh, I, I think it's going to be something that farmers are going to be looking for. You talked a bit about the uh, canola performance trials. Any Anything to highlight there? Or? Well, I think we're always uh, improving how we do that. We've had a bit of a shakeup uh, at council, at, at the Canola Council of Canada. They always did it in the past. Now as uh, the uh, kind of reorganization in the last couple of years that's been happening there, that's been something that's been, been kind of in collaboration now with the provincial organizations and now for 2020 is going to be run solely by the provincial organizations. So I think there's just been some some energy taken just in, in making that shift but uh, we continue to to do trials all over western canada um, we're doing our best to try and get the latest latest and greatest varieties that the companies are putting out just as soon as we can have access to them and putting them into the trials because that's what farmers are looking for they're looking for those numbers and and i know farmers make decisions based on that so um, yeah it's a work in progress that's i think that's going well that was Ron Cron, an outgoing director with the Manitoba Canola Growers Association. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The challenges are continuing to mount for Western Canadian farmers. The latest issue involves protesters delaying trains across the country. Chris Vanden Heuvel is with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. It's been back-to-back issues really for about uh, two years now when you... You know, uh, a couple of uh, uh, harvest years that were tough back to back. The rail strike uh, back last, uh, late last year. Uh, you know, over these uh, these past couple of months, really been weighing heavily on uh, on the the mental health and the well being of all of our farmers. It's uh, uh, you know coming to the point where a lot of uh, a lot of folks, a lot of farmers are, are are at the breaking point and they just don't know what to do and where to turn to. CFA is urging the federal government to resolve the situation as soon as possible. And the Manitoba Flax Growers Association held its AGM last week at CropConnect. Chair Eric Fridfinson commented on last year's crop. We have about an average size of a flax crop. There's a fair bit of flax that's lower grades because of uh, bad weather last fall. But certainly for the individuals that have uh, top quality flax, uh, they've got a real good commodity on their hands that's worth a lot of money. Right now, we see people paying $14 a bushel for that best stuff, and it's a good opportunity. The flax growers are one of five commodity groups that will be merging later this year. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.